Hello and welcome everybody to the Habs World Podcast. I'm your host, Norm Sarek, and I have my two usual co-hosts with me uh, this evening. First up is Paul McLeod. Paul, how are you? Oh, very well, Norm. Very well. Um, looking forward to the podcast. You know, happy that the Canadians have finally selected their new general manager, as we are going to talk about. And, you know, happy that they actually won an entertaining game last night in Dallas, which was, uh, you know, felt like it's the first time they won since last season, but I know that's a bit of a slight exaggeration, but uh, <laughs> only it was, slight. It was, it was still fun to watch. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, next up, Jonathan Ribello. Jonathan, how are you? Oh, uh, I'm as good as can be. You know, uh, I'm uh, yeah, just uh, puttering along. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So before we get rolling, I should mention this is Habs World Podcast number 87. Oh, the Sydney uh, cross. Oh, wait, no, no one. Yeah, no <laughs> one. So it's it's the podcast reserved for Sidney Crosby when he when he joins the Canadians at some point in my dreams. Yes, <laughs> in your dreams. Yes. Uh, before, while he's still young enough not to be a fourth liner. Oh well, yeah, that, that would be nice. Um, so, quick aside, anybody know when his contract is up? <laughs> uh, I would say like two or three years. I think I know. I think Falcons is up before he is, but I'm not certain. Okay. Okay. Well, we can dream. All right, guys. So let's get going. So, Paul, as you touched on earlier, uh, this is uh, about the hiring of um, Hab's new GM, Kent Hughes. Uh, and I should mention that the official, that we're recording this on Wednesday, January 19th, and which was the same day they had the, the press conference. So I assume you guys have uh, both had a watch or listen of it. Uh, so let's, let's dive in. Uh, let's see. It's, it, I'm going to, I'll start us off a little. And uh I have to say I'm obviously in favor of this this move. I think there's a number of reasons for for wanting a fellow like him uh, in this position now. Uh, it's got a pretty strong relationship with uh, Jeff Gorton. That's got to help. And I'm guessing that between Gorton, Molson, and uh, the other the other two fellows that were part of the hiring process, they must have felt that the other candidates were perhaps not as strong. So. Let's let's get the ball rolling with that. What do, what do you guys uh, think? Who wants to go? Oh, I'll go first. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, I, I had no idea who Kent Hughes was three weeks ago. I mm-hmm. uh, never really even heard the name, or if I had, it was in and out, in one ear and out the other. So, um, you know, apparently he's a very successful player agent, has a lot of Quebec-born clients, uh, you know, most notably Patrice Bergeron, Anthony Beauvillier, um, among some other ones, Chris Letang, I believe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he obviously knows uh, that aspect of, of being a general manager. He knows how to do contract negotiations, which will be an improvement, I would say, on our last general manager, mm-hmm. uh, Bergevin, where that wasn't maybe necessarily his strong suit, Bergevin being more of, uh, you know, having more success with trading. So, um, you know, I, I guess we'll see. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting you know, avenue to go down and it's not somebody that's recycled. It's a brand new GM or not somebody that's been in the hockey organization before, but he said he eats, breathes and sleeps hockey. So um, yeah, I guess, uh, but he's going to have a lot of draft picks and he's going to have a lot of assets to sell in these next couple of weeks. So let's see what he does with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like it. I like the fact that, uh, you know, it was, um, you know, not a traditional hire. They didn't go with the ex player, hockey guy although i wouldn't have been unhappy to be honest i wouldn't have been unhappy if they hired darsh or uh briere uh, yeah you know when i first 
when I first, we first talked about this, you know, I had a couple of complete out of the box candidates on my list of a European hockey guy and a, and a woman. But I think I like also like the idea that the Canadians were saying that they liked a lot of the people that they had talked to and they were looking at hiring some of them for other roles. So that's really good. And uh, just a quick thing. Do you guys, are you familiar with Darren Ferris? The I'm familiar with the name, yes. Yeah, the player agent, right? Who's kind of infamous for being so difficult to negotiate with and, and mm. who usually takes the, uh, the teams to the cleaners. Well, he was asked about Kent Hughes as a general manager, and he said he's a great per- people person, great in- intuitive. And by the way, he's a shark. <laughs> okay. If, if Ferris is calling you a shark, I think that means that you uh, – <laughs> You know, you've got some some edge there. Uh, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be underratedly good in, in contract negotiations, mm. um, and it'll be interesting to see where they proceed. There's a lot of things I like about him, but I'll let somebody else talk for a little bit first before I get into those. Okay. Okay. Well, on the negotiating side, yeah, certainly he's got that background much stronger than Mark Bergerman was, and perhaps any other GM. That the Habs have had, but he's uh, on the other side of the desk now, so that's going to be a different challenge for him. Uh, it, I mean, he should know how things go on both sides, and as and Gordon knows what it's like on on obviously the GM side of this too. So that's going to be interesting. He's still going to have the same challenge that every GM for the Habs have had over the last I don't know forty years or so all of the typical handicap of, of the Montreal markets and trying to convince players as free agents to, to sign it there. But if anybody could do it, it, you would have to think it, it'd have to be him, right? That's what I'm hoping, at least. Uh, one of the things that Bergevin did do well over the last couple of seasons, it seemed, was, was, uh, was uh, I don't want to say a track, but sign uh, UFAs that we hadn't seen or the like of which we really hadn't seen over the last, over previous years. And I think part of that was due to the Habs' success in the playoffs for the last couple of seasons to postseasons. But I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting now. He's going to have a bigger challenge with now the position this team is in in terms of the standings uh, and assuming that they still end up somewhere, say, bottom five of the league. Uh, so that, that's going to be... Let's hope so at this point. Let's hope <laughs> they don't have some type of... Yeah you know, mid-March run where they win 12 games in a row or something like that. I pray to God mm. that doesn't happen. Yeah, or something crazy like what the Blues did back in 2019. Well, that would no, be well, fine. But that, no, that'd, that'd be, be fine. They won the cup. That'd be, that'd be okay. <laughs> I, think we can, I think we can all admit the Canadians are not winning the Stanley Cup. <laughs> no, even fact, though... the, Cana- the Canadians may set a record that might never be broken. Oh. If the Canadians fail to win 14 games... Tell me if you think this would ever happen before or happen again. A team wins more games in the playoffs the year before than they win in the full regular season the year after. Because the Canadians won 13 games last year. So if they'd only win 13, they would tie the number of games they won in the playoffs last year over Uh the course of an 82-game season. That would be some incredible feat. Yeah, that that would be almost impossible because that would mean they'd only lose, only win five more games and there's like more than half a season left. Uh, we can hope. Uh, we can they, hope. They, they, they don't need to be that bad. They're already in last place. And in fact, last place and second last place, the odds of winning the number one pick aren't uh, all that much different anyway. So I'd much prefer that they were in 31st instead of 32nd because I'd, 
anytime the Canadians are going to set a record for futility, it makes me cringe, especially one that would be like the first team to ever finish 32nd in the, in the, uh, in the NHL. And I think I, although I could be wrong, the first team ever to go from Stanley cup finalist to last place in consecutive seasons. Probably outside of like original six times. I would imagine that's correct. I, I should have fact checked that, but I didn't, but that kind of thing. Um, but touching on one of your points, Norm, about attracting players to Montreal, I think, you know, a lot of people are calling for a complete teardown and trade anybody they can for whatever they can get. I don't think that's, well, I hope that's not the approach there that uh, Hughes and Gordon Gorton are going to take. And it's certainly not the one I would hope for because, you know, who are you going to get back there to be the solid veteran presence? If you're going to, you know, tear down the completely tear down the team and trade people who have stated they want to be in Montreal. For example, Tyler Toffoli, who signed with the the team as a UFA, which we weren't expecting. And then just like a day or so ago said, you know, I want to be stay in Montreal. I want to be part of the C, the solution. I want to be here to help the young guys grow and develop. That's not the kind of guy I think you should be trading right now, unless you get a, 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 a return that's so substantial that you couldn't refuse it. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a valid point it, it, because we don't want to see the uh, this new regime turn them into the next Buffalo Sabres team, right? Or the Ottawa Senators, really. Or it's even or even the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, they have two of the best players in the whole entire league and they still are struggling mightily to make the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. in seventh place in their division. They yeah. stink. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. They had such a hot start, and then they've had such a terrible losing streak. It's, well, it was really thank God they have Hall of Fame reporters, though. Who who would have <laughs> thought their their thirty nine year old goaltender would get hurt easily? Oh, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he's always been so healthy, right? <laughs> well, he was for the first fifteen or twenty years of his career. Maybe, yeah, maybe maybe they'd be interested in a little dash of Jake Allen. Oh. I'm, I'm sure Allen would be a much more. Um, prized trade chip right now than carry price hmm. like uh, i think it was uh francois gagnon on on uh was on tsn with john lou i don't know if you guys saw that and he was saying the first thing he has to do is is decide the carry price question like what are they going to do mm-hmm. what, what does price want to do because with a full no move he he controls whatever he wants to do yeah and the other thing yeah, that speaking I, of contract negotiations, good thing Bergevin gave him that full on move after he'd already signed his deal, just added on just for gravy for no reason at all. That was very smart. That was after he signed? Really? Yes. Yeah. Oh. I, I remember this explicitly happening. They contacted the NHL afterwards and say, can we add this on to the deal afterwards? Really? I, didn't I guess, remember that. Wow. <laughs> I could be mistaken. This could be a fantasy of mine, but. I'm fairly I thought, certain. I thought it just kicked in at, after a certain point of the deal. Like they, no, I think they happen. added it on after the deal contract was signed. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned you guys mentioned uh, Edmonton too because I had a fantasy trade scenario which which would involve uh, Price going to Edmonton and and Oilers sending back somebody like uh, Nugent Hopkins. Now, not so much that that Nugent Hopkins is that flashy a player, but he could. He could fit in on the Habs because of their lack of depth at center and their contracts are not hugely out of skew. I mean, there'd have to be a little bit more coming over to probably Koskinen's, uh, um, I don't know if I got his name right, the 
the Finnish goalie that they have. Yeah, the Koskinen. Yeah, to help even it out a little bit closer to match prices because um, I don't believe Edmonton is that has that much cap room either. But you know, something like that might be something that they could explore again, as you said, though, as long as price is on board with it. But who knows if he's even going to be able to play this season. I think, yeah, I, get, I, I mean, and I find it kind of odd that the focus on Edmonton acquiring a player seems to be Evander Kane when they need a goaltender, not another goal scorer, but I don't know if yeah. I were, if I were Ken Holland, I'd be, I'd be offering a lot to a team like Montreal for somebody like Jake Allen right now. Yeah. It, it could still happen. It's hard to say. Um, yeah, the, the Evander Kane part, though, I, didn't it come up, if I remember correctly? I thought it was it came up because of a reporter brought up the topic, and then I think Holland was just kind of speculating, well, if this type of player was available, you know, we would consider looking at it, at acquiring him. Uh, it isn't so much of a Ken Holland saying, you know, we have our sights, we're going to make an offer to this guy as soon as the whole – arbitration thing gets settled and front front page article on uh tsn today or this evening saying that there's a good chance oilers sign kane if he's cleared in this investigation mm, okay okay yeah yeah he is Again. a great he is a great player he's obviously a mental case and has some major mental issues but he's a hell of a <laughs> hockey player for sure yeah <laughs> yeah just a little bit a little bit like the antonio brown of the nhl uh yeah good comparison yeah. I, I just, yeah, I don't know if a team would want to pick him up in terms of like he's been such a cancer in locker rooms uh, in the past. I don't know. It's, yeah. but that's that's their potential mess. I, let's let's wander back towards Habs topics here. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, one yeah. of the things I think yeah. we should talk about with Hughes there is uh, something you mentioned in the notes, Norm, that uh, Patrick Waugh was quick to congratulate Hughes on getting the job, and maybe mm-hmm. was uh, you know positioning himself politically for at least an interview to take over for Ducharme once he's eventually fired. Um, so I'll, I'll let you have first opinion on that one, Norm, since yeah. uh, something that you noticed. Yeah, I think it's, it's a solid speculation, you know, like why wouldn't you, he could have just been silent about the whole thing if he was bitter. I mean, talking about Patrick Waugh about not getting the actual GM job, but uh, why not butter that piece of bread and, and just, you know, let things uh, set things up so that things seem cordial and, because I, I could, I could see him wanting to be the head coach of the uh, of, of the Canadians at some point. I, I don't, I, I don't doubt that. And even though I'm not, I've said in previous podcasts, I'm not a huge fan of him as a coach. I think he is an effective coach, though. I'll give him that. Like he's been, he's been innovative in a couple of things back when he first started off in Colorado. So it's it's tough to say. Um, and something Hughes did mention in his press conference that he very much has an idea and a mindset on what a modern coach and he made sure to say that I think in both French and English, a Mm. modern coach, like the characteristics a modern coach would have. And I'm not sure if he went into specifics or gave any examples, but I would, I I would be hoping you'd be thinking something along the lines of, you know, John Cooper, Um, not, you know, exactly like him. That's the dream world scenario, but you know, a coach that is not a disciplinarian in any fashion, even a Gerard Gallant, you know what I mean? Like not a coach that's going to, you know, rip, rip you a new asshole when you make a mistake and come to the bench and bench you. A coach that knows hockey's a game of mistakes and knows that you know when you made a mistake and give you an opportunity to make up for it rather than to be punished for it. So mm. he didn't get into that, the specifics of that, but I do hope 
what he was saying, you know, he really was emphasizing a modern coach that he is thinking, you know, progressively in terms of what the Canadians um, will be in the future. And also mentioned he wants the Canadians to be an offensive team, which is, you know, obviously what you want to hear. And he can just be saying things, but you know, this, this is a league where you have to be able to score to be successful for the most part, you know, Montreal finally did run into trouble with, you know, not trouble. They met their ultimate demise in Tampa Bay, a team that was, you know, a class above them in ability to put the puck in the net. Yeah. Yeah. I think the exact quote was, "We ideally we will be a fast, offensive-minded puck possession team, which mm. is music to my ears. But on the coaching aspect, you know, I'm all for recycling, except generally in one area, and that's the trend of Montreal to recycle coaches. Mm-hmm. got kind of tiresome for me. But that said, I'm going to contradict myself and say I would be quite happy if the Canadians rehired Alan Vigneault as their next coach. Oh, okay. Because I think I think he's a good coach. I think he's evolved over his time in the league. And I think it would only be fitting he gets a second chance to reinvent himself, his legacy in Montreal, hmm. because he did a lot with very, very little when he was here the first time. Uh, and I don't think his firing was as justified as the guys who followed him. Um, no, for sure. Yeah, I agree with you there. When he got fired, Montreal, like it said, they missed the playoffs by one point, I think, to Carolina or Florida or Tampa Bay, something like that. And they had set an NHL record for man games lost to injury that year. It was just a year of, you know, I think they had like 50 different players dressed for them. Kind of like uh, uh, like this year, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, I think it was Carolina, if I remember correctly. So that that's a good point. It, it would be interesting to see him back. Um, refresh my memory, though. How long did was his last stint in Philadelphia? Well, I don't know. Two years, maybe three. Two to three. Okay. Yeah. Could be more. Okay. Yeah, it's it's tough. Is to he say. currently unemployed? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yeah. Well, he's technically collect. He, I think he's still collecting the Flyers' money for a couple more years. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. like so, like Julian, and you know, every, yeah. almost every other head coach that doesn't grab another new job right away. Julian's going to be coaching in the Olympics, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Coaching, coaching young David Deharnay. <laughs> young David Deharnay. Yeah. Well, David Deharnay, not young David Deharnay. Oh, but, okay. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, Dehernay is going to be part of the Olympic roster. So, oh, I hadn't heard that. Okay, interesting. Yeah, he's okay. one of the names I've heard leak, leaked. Eric Stahl, um, hmm. yeah, some other guys. I'm okay. more. I'm interested in seeing. Uh, oh God, I can't remember his name now. The Canadians traffic, Sean Farrell. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. playing for the U.S. Yeah, um, he's doing well. He's doing well at Harvard and improving his goal scoring. Apparently, which is always good. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I really liked uh, the other things that Hughes said is he said it a couple of times, basically, and I'm paraphrasing this from the TSN reports that I that I listened to. You know, I can't really answer any of these questions without getting to know people. And then we'll spend a lot of time evaluating and developing the vision. So I mm-hmm. really like the idea that he's going to take the time needed to evaluate who uh, is there. Yep. And, you know. Uh, I think it was Gagnon again who commented that he needs to find, he needs to learn the players behind the shirt, like who really wants to be there and who's interested in being there for a long haul. If there's a rebuild or a reset, mm-hmm. so I think I hinted my feelings about the, about the idea already, but what do you guys think about rebuild, reset, retool, any real difference? And 
are you in favor of him like basically selling off everything but but the goalposts and starting fresh or are you in favor of a more moderate approach to the reset hmm. um for me uh i believe i you could call it whatever you want but they need to be selling all anyone that's really a p- pending free agent this upcoming year i know that uh you mentioned that you didn't want them to be trading guys that have term left that still want to be part of the solution. Tyler Toffoli, for example, Um, you know, guys like that, that still have uh, several years left. You do want to have some type of veteran presence in the room, but guys like uh, Lekin and Sherrod, you know, anybody that's on an expiring deal, they need to maximize the value for those guys. They shouldn't be holding onto them this year. They can always sign them back next year. Um, You know, those guys understand it's a business. And obviously if they're traded, maybe that'll sour them and they won't want to come back to Montreal, but, that's, you know, tough titty said the kitty. Montreal's got to load up on as many picks and have as many shots at that, you know, the lottery that is the NHL draft in terms of who they're able to select and have as many ping pong balls and, you know, in that, uh, in the hopper. Not necessarily for the first overall pick, but I mean, if they can have 20 picks in this upcoming draft, let's get 20 picks. Let's, let's unload mm-hmm. all of the veterans that we have that are on expiring deals, every one of them. Okay. Okay, I would I would differentiate between Lekkinen and, and Sherrod in that uh, Lekkinen's actually a restricted free agent. So much. Yeah, still, still I'd yeah. I'd I'd still trade him. Okay. Yeah, uh, for me, like Lekkinen's a great penalty killer. Um, you know, he's a serviceable third liner, but he's going to end up making three million plus next year, and I'd rather just say see you later, bud, have, and enjoy the rest of your career. Mm. Okay. Okay. That's that's valid. And and, you know, actually, and I read something recently where um, there was a rumor that the Rangers were interested in electing it. So that may that may lead to something, especially with Corton having ties back there. Like, mm-hmm. so, so we'll see. Yeah, I read that same that. thing too, Norm, where they compared him to Sammy Blay. They said mm. he's an even better Sammy Blay and score uh, a little more than him. But um, that, that was the comparison. And I guess Blay got injured for the Rangers towards ACL or something like that. He's out for the year. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah. hearing that. And like, I think Blaze a better player, but yeah, he could still fill that type of role at least. Yeah, yeah, it's um. So getting back to your point, Paul, it's uh, yeah, I, I think I'm looking for something in between. It's they can't do a total re rebuild and total tear down, but you know the obvious players like the Sharats, they're gonna go. Uh, Kulak is another one who's gonna be a UFA. And I, I have no qualms about seeing him go. Uh, I mean, make, make some room for some of the up-and-coming uh, younger defensemen. Uh, move him out. You know, I, don't, I really don't see much value in, on holding on to him. What are some of the other guys? Paquetten and... Well, um, I, have a, I have a list. Oh, okay, go ahead. I have, I have three categories. Yep. If you, uh, so in my trade list, I have Sherratt, Armia, Byron, Paquette, Perot, Niku... Uh, Penzetta, although I'm starting to think about changing him into a different category. Dauphin, Kulak, Savard, and Weidman. And Monte- who the hell? Who the hell is going to trade for Armia at 3.4 million a year? Nobody. And he's got like three or four years left. Like Montreal's going to have yeah. to do half that deal to trade yeah. him. I would imagine. You never yeah. know. Anyway, that's in, in an ideal world. Those are the players I would say trade. The the second category is trade if the return is reasonable. I.e good assets with no salary retention or some really good assets if salary retention is involved. And on this list, I have Druan, Price, Petrie, Toffoli, Hoffman, Gallagher, Dvorak, and Allen. And then in the keep category, 
I listed Suzuki, Romanoff, Caulfield, Evans, Edmonston, Lekkonen, Paling, Clegg, Yulonen, Anderson, Vegemo, and of course, Yupi. <laughs> okay. I, actually, I actually despise Yupi. I wish the Canadians didn't have a mascot. <laughs> he was fine for the Expos because baseball's boring. So you need a mascot in the crowd. But in my opinion, hockey should be entertaining on its own. No mascots for a glorious franchise like the Montreal Canadiens, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> so I sure. trade, I trade Yupi to the Nationals. <laughs> okay. It all uh, depends on the return. Yeah. Like everything, it all depends <laughs> on the return. <laughs> yeah. You got some interesting. Uh, those are, those are my lists. thoughts. Okay. I can't believe Lekkonen's on your keep list. Like I, I just, I don't get it for that. Well, I think they need, I think they should keep one of Lekkonen or Armia. And if they can get, if they can't, if, as you say, they can't trade Armia, then they should trade Lekkonen because they shouldn't have both. Yeah. Armia and uh, Armia, like he's got COVID for a third time now. Yeah. Yeah. What's crazy. That's What's incredible, you, eh? Well, does he have it or is he isolating because he was in contact he's in the protocol right that's not okay, necessarily the same thing as having covid like yeah, right now his wife is a nurse so maybe she's yeah. wife got covid again right right now my my son's in the basement oh. in isolation because he was a close contact to someone who had covid okay now and how about the other thing Excuse we should me. say about covid nick suzuki still hasn't got covid super yep. immune system suzuki mm. yeah let's hope it stays that way yeah, <laughs> he's the immunity king. God, did you <laughs> see the beating wood. he was taking? Speaking of immunity, did you see the beating he was taking from Suter last night? Did you? Guys yeah, and then Suter complaining about the penalty. Like, I didn't get it. Like Suter absolutely clobbered him, and then Suter's like, "What am I getting a penalty for?" He yeah, thought it was the playoffs. Um, yeah, Suzuki was Austin Matthews, and he was Shea Weber. Yeah, I also, <laughs> I also really liked Joanne's reaction to being uh, cross-checked by Sagan. I have to say. Actually, yeah, there's a little bit of spunk in them there to go a right. A little bit of fire, him. yeah. Yeah, he got he got fined five thousand. Big deal. <laughs> I, I think the next guy who's thinking about cross checking him in the head probably won't. Wait, well, now, what yeah. was his comment? I don't think I heard it. Oh, he didn't say anything. He just smashed Sagan once, and then when he got him down on the ice, he reared back and gave him a couple more. Yeah, oh, the game God. actually was quite chippy. Last took his night. took so his like helmet right, right off. They had a neutral zone face off, and Sagan went high on him right away, and um, so Durant cross checked him in the face, and then on his way down cross-checked him twice more in the face while he was on the ice like yeah. really vicious it oh. was awesome okay yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that part, <laughs> that part exactly I, john that part yes uh, no i meant what was uh ducharme's uh reaction oh i don't know i wasn't talking about i was just saying oh, oh, okay. i like i said I, I said i like Druan's reaction to say again oh Druan. oh i missed yeah. sorry yeah Okay, because I thought you were leading into something else. Uh, no, no, no. Sorry, I, I just said I like Druan's reaction. No, no words required. Eat stick. Uh, okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I kind of thought that, uh, that Ducharme was going to get something for his comments about recent comments about being what eleven and 0, 10 and zero. <laughs> yeah, we're all for eleven. <laughs> yeah, Did you hear him? Eleven. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear him after last night's game? Uh, no, I missed. They, that. they they asked him about the streak and how he felt about. Uh, how he felt about getting two reviews in his favor. He said, he said, I'm going to go buy a Powerball ticket. <laughs> okay. And I really like Gallagher weighing in on Twitter too, with uh, goal and no goal calls because yeah. the number of calls yes. that go against Gallagher, just because of his reputation, it yeah, is hilarious. Sickening. Like that <laughs> Chicago game, that if, if I, if I actually wanted the Habs to win, I would have been so pissed that one, they allowed that the goal with 
um, with the goalie being absolutely destroyed. And then two, it was a hundred percent offside. But the fact that a loss is better than a win, probably at this point, I love those two calls. It was great. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, the announce one of the announcers in the game last night when they were getting the review, they said, uh, they said Gallagher's got a tweet in waiting right now. <laughs> <laughs> For sure yeah. I, for, I, I forgot when you were saying your list there uh, where did yep. you have ryan paling ryan paling was on the keep list and okay uh, yeah oh he's not yep. on the list at all what's that no no okay. paling, paling was in the keep list yeah okay. paling was, just... was awesome paling was also awesome last night and i really noticed his game improving and romanov yep. uh they're both you know getting a little bit more ice time seeing a little bit more opportunity paling's getting some power play time uh, I'm I'm very impressed with uh, those two kids, and I hope they get a lot more ice time for the next uh, half of the season. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and, I, and there are times when, say, Romanoff makes a mistake, Paling makes a mistake, and even if they lead to a goal, I don't mind that as much because you know Who these cares? guys are still getting their feet wet, right? They they haven't had a hundred games of pro pro. Well, no, Paling. I mean, Romanoff might be getting close, but anyway, they have they haven't hit that magic mark of what is it? 200 games or something or three seasons or yeah. whatever. Couldn't where, call where, seasoned veterans. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where you basically, you kind of know where you're, where you stand. Like you kind of have a pretty good idea. You've seen enough of the teams, you've seen enough of systems, enough of situations at this pro high level to, to know what's going on and what you're supposed to do. And, and you, you do it right. And most of the time you're, you're mistake free. So get those mistakes out of the way. It's, it's when the veterans make those stupid mistakes time and time again, you know, like Savard hate to harp on this guy, but he's such a terrible defenseman. <laughs> uh, that, that, uh, you know, I, I just and like, like, N- like Niku puck watching and letting, you know, a player go to the front of the net completely unimpeded like yeah that. that wasn't good that, that's where you know you know i kind of had a feeling his defensive game wasn't that sharp otherwise uh winnipeg wouldn't have let him go to begin with yeah you always live uh, in hope i mean look at joel hanley he's still in the nhl and he's playing with dallas yeah didn't he yeah. score a goal or get an assist on a goal in, the, in that game last night not sure i can't remember he might have okay but yeah that was a strange one i remember that kid because when they called him up didn't he get like an assist for five straight games and yes. like, so five points in five games. I was thinking not where he was. It was, wasn't where he was very spectacular. He just seemed to be at the right place at the right time. And I thought to myself then, wow, like they might have really uncovered like a diamond in the rough here. And then no, just a fluke, something, it was just a fluke, but other teams have picked him up. Like I, I don't, I don't think he went directly to Dallas. I think he went somewhere else first another organization then now is with dallas but anyway it's just one of those things where sometimes those those minor league uh defensemen are are not that bad they're still serviceable i don't know it's just weird sometimes how they don't pan out in montreal well i've liked i've liked clegg's uh game so far i mean he's far Mm -hmm. from perfect defensively either but he creates seems to create more offense than niku and be a little bit more defensively aware in the limited amount of time i've seen him yeah yeah, I agree with that. And and I think he still falls under that that same role I was mentioning a moment ago. Uh, I, I can forgive a lot of his mistakes at this point. He's still he's still young and learning. And this team isn't going anywhere anyway right now for this season. So, you know, why not? Sometimes when you haven't seen a lot of a player, you don't have um, you don't have a lot of things you hate about them because 
it, you haven't hated it for a long time. Like if they make a little small mistake, it's the first time they've done it for the second. And then once they're around for two or three years, it's the 900th time they do it. Then you want to strangle them. So, you know, sometimes <laughs> the fresh blood is just that fresh blood. It's uh, it's just, uh, it gives you a new perspective sometimes, even if it's the same old mistakes, just from a new player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I don't get mad at the player in that situation. If I, if, if it's the same player making the same mistake for the 900th time, I'm angry at the coach for not playing him in a different role and, or not playing mm-hmm. him and for the general manager for not finding somebody better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this season with it, all the oh, injuries season, they had, yeah, it's just, it's just a, I mean, it's a farce. I mean, competitive, yeah. Uh, you know, they talk about, you know, the competitive balance of the league and the integrity of the league and all this stuff. There was no integrity in allowing the Canadians to play with a shell of a roster. And I think in any normal season, the Canadians would have objected vociferously to it. And I think Molson probably would have carried enough weight to get some of those games postponed. But mm-hmm. I don't think given that the, the season was already in the, in the can, the, they said, what the hell? Yeah. For me, I wouldn't lose. mind if I wouldn't mind if the Canadians just forfeit the rest of the season and refunded me any tick, any remaining tickets I have left. So I, have to watch them play. <laughs> I can't believe that you know it's not even the halfway point of the season yet. It seems like this season's lasted forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's halfway through for some teams. I think some yes. teams have played yeah. forty one or forty two games at this point. That's just teams like the Canadians and. Even worse, the Senators. I think the Senators haven't even played 35 games yet. So, mm. yeah, that's right. They had they they had one of the earlier COVID breaks, right? Outbreaks. Yeah. That that's another team that makes me question their whole rebuild strategy, right? The Senators, the Coyotes, oh, whose stink. rebuild has never ended. The the Sabers who've been rebuilding for the last decade. The Oilers who have who actually drafted two of the top talents in the league and still can't win. I mean. For every every Rangers team that does a quick turnaround, there's four or five that you know stay crappy for a decade. Yeah. So I, I don't know if you guys saw this article uh, by Marc Antoine Gaudin in the Athletic, I think last week, where he was saying that you know player agents were indicating to him as part of his story that it was going to be very difficult for Montreal to attract free agents not because of taxes or schooling, but mostly because of the strict COVID lockdown rules in Quebec. And Mm. wondering about, you know, since Petrie left his family in Detroit, whether he would be seeking an exit uh, in the offseason. And then partway through the article, they they noted that they had just heard that when, um, when Perry signed with Tampa, in the off season, one of his deciding factors was the possibility of another strict lockdown in Quebec. Hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I, well, I would imagine that'd be a major factor for all the Canadian teams then. Yes. You know, outside of the two Alberta teams, which have had a little bit less lockdowns, you know, the amount of lockdowns in Canada compared to the U S is infinity this year, right? Cause there's been none in the U S yeah. zero. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think so, that's a major factor for all the Canadian teams. I think you're a hundred percent right. If the Canadians are not going to be able to attract free agents, that's why I was saying before, I think they better tread very carefully deciding who they get rid of in a fire sale because it's not going to be that easy to replace. Mm. Hey, you know what? If they suck again next year, it's not the end of the world because next year there's a generational talent coming into the NHL. So, yes. Oh, amen to that. Connor Bedard. Yeah. <laughs> that kid's something. <laughs> yeah. 
adding Shane Wright and Connor Bedard in back-to-back years would be better than any two free agents they could sign. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think the odds of that are fairly long, but we'll see. I mean, if, yeah, if they had a shot at Bedard, I'd definitely have a, I'd have no problem with them being bad. I just hope they're not this bad. It'd be nice if they could trade for some, some of their assets this year for first round picks in next year's draft. That would be really nice. Hmm. Yeah, you never know. It depends on how desperate some teams are going to be. Kent Hughes is the second coming of Sam Pollock. Hmm, it is a nice fantasy to it. <laughs> um, Jeff, you mentioned Jeff Petrie there, and uh, I know that Norm put in oh. the notes there about his post-game comments in that game uh, mid-December about you know the Canadians not playing uh, with any structure and you know him being quite frustrated. Which you know you can't blame him. You know, going from being in the Stanley Cup Finals a year ago to being the absolute worst team in the league cannot be fun, especially when you're Jeff Petrie and, you know, you're the, the senior leader on the team for the most part, you know, the player with tenure, that's one of the older guys between him and Gallagher. So, um, and, and yeah, you mentioned as well about his family staying back in Detroit from the holidays or the mm-hmm. Michigan area from the holidays. So maybe Petrie is another guy that wants out. I, I'd be really in favor of keeping Petrie. I think he's awesome. I think he's had a crappy year this year for sure. But I, I really believe he can turn it around, and I think he was playing hurt for the majority of the beginning of the year. So, yeah, I agree. I thought so too. And um, you know, when he said that, my only thought was, man, I wish Gordon hadn't said he was keeping Ducharme until the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> like I totally agreed with him. I'd just given up on. I didn't see any movement from the coaching staff to fix any of the systemic problems and. The players seem in, mm-hmm. if the players are incapable of grasping your system, coaching 101 is change the system and change it fast. Um, mm-hmm. But that didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. other thing, too, I'd like to give Ducharme a little bit of a break. Uh, sorry to cut you off there, Norm. It is tough to coach a system when you have, when you don't have the same lineup. In fact, you, you have five new guys in the lineup every game. It's pretty tough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, fair enough there. Yeah, in Petrie's case, it's really tough to say. You know, I don't know if if we all knew the true history of what was going on with him injury-wise, it'd be better to evaluate that. Um, Because I I remember the Petrie of the first, what, two-thirds of last season, the guy was in the Norris Trophy uh, consideration uh, at that point, if they would have been voting. But his his play really tailed off for the last, say, third or so of the season. Uh, like he, he wasn't able to score any goals, for example. And he was even goalless for quite a while up until what, two games ago or something when he got one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now I don't know if that's tied to Ducharme systems because it, it it's, it's tough to say. I think he took over a little bit before Petrie's play started to go South, but we, and you know, I'm putting aside the obvious injury that took place middle of the, playoffs uh oh the finger in the camera hole yeah 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 oh ouch so it's that's that's a tough thing it's it but that speculation is an interesting one about about his family staying behind because it's you know past uh past writings we've we've seen or all read about petrie and about uh how his family had been happy to to stay in in the montreal area and wanted to resign and they did resign and were pals with the uh, uh, Carrie Price's family and, and you know it 
Yeah, he's got young kids too, and maybe they were just sick of sending their kids to school with masks on or sick of sending their kids to school on a computer in their house. They wanted their kids to be, you know, with other kids and in school, right? That could also be a major factor for why his wife and kids are down there. So yeah, it's possible, but it's in the middle of a school year. So that's the that's the just another thing to put a real wrinkle in this. It'd be really odd as a as a parent to pull your kids out of a school if you're if in in that situation. I don't know. But yeah, but like would would you rather your kid go to you know change schools and go to school every single day? Or you know, who knows if you're going to school next week because might be a COVID lockdown. You're in online learning. Well, in, in PEI, we've been in lockdown for the last, well, a modified lockdown for the last two weeks with no schools. And just yesterday, they changed it. So no in-person dining, no sports, no anything. Yep, and so. strict limits on how many people you can have in your house. Yep. Yeah, every place in the world is different. That's for sure. Oh, Petrie's kids could have been faced with online learning in Quebec. I'm not sure what the lockdown rules are in effect right there. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, Quebec's in lockdown right now. There's a curfew in Quebec right now. If you no, go out past 10 p.m., if you go out past 10 p.m., you're shot on site. <laughs> Unless you're walking a dog, right? I no, think no, no. allowed no, for that? that. Oh. <laughs> that now for this one. They said, okay. you know what? Most dogs are sleeping at 10 p.m. If you need to walk your dog. If you need to walk your dog past 10 p.m., you better be able to prove that your dog has a night shift that he has to attend. Yeah. As like a guard dog somewhere. Oh god. <laughs> so teachers could have thought, well, we're going to be schooling them at home anyway, so we can we can do it online from Detroit as well as we could do it from. Canada. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. could be. Even though I'm fair, fairly close geographically to Michigan, I have to admit I don't know exactly what's going on with their situation out there. It's tougher to say, but you could be right, Jonathan. That's, but it's an odd situation. You don't see. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It'd often. be a tough situation for a parent to make that decision to pull their kids out of the school for sure. Mm-hmm. But this is I, odd. Things are happening every day. Yeah. Yep. Very true. Um, well, it's been a while since we last talked. So uh, I'll, I'll move on to the next uh, little subject there that you had in, in the notes, Norm, with Matthias Norlander and him mm-hmm. going back to Sweden. I was personally kind of sad about that. I know that he was struggling and. Uh, you know, you saw his comments afterwards that he wanted to go back. Um, and maybe that's the best thing for his development, but I really wanted him to be playing in North America on the North American ice. What were your thoughts on his game overall and his decision and the Canadians decision to send him back? Yeah, I'll go first on this one. That, that was, that was a little disappointing. He showed some spark at times and he seemed to have, uh, he definitely has some offensive skills, good skater and all it's, it's probably one of those cases where it, it really would have been nicer if he could have stayed a little bit of time in the AHL. I mean, outside of what they were allowed as a conditioning stint, I guess. Uh, so that part was a little disappointing, but I guess on the other side, it just kind of means that, you know, he just wasn't ready or he wasn't ready enough. And maybe at least he acknowledged that I'd rather, I'd rather see him back overseas and playing more regularly and, and, uh, and getting more development in than, than be, you know, unripe and being forced to play here. And he probably got out at the right time anyway, before with all the, the COVID nonsense got out of control. So yeah, we don't have a choice. There were several times that Ducharme wasn't playing him when he could have played him. I think that may have, that may have. Yeah, been, you're right. I forgot about that. But I think it's, it's smart on behalf of the, the management previous, of course, 
that they noticed he wasn't being played and the player had expressed a desire to go home. So make the player happy. He's still going to develop in the Swedish elite league. It's not like he's going to, you know, junior B and in, in, in the, you know, somewhere in the far north of Canada or some minor league, like low minor leagues. The Swedish elite league is a good hockey league. Yeah. Um, so why not make him happy and let him develop? Hopefully the new regime has learned from the, you know, catastrophic errors of the previous one uh, when it comes to player development, but at least. And maybe he just didn't like that they had a bunch of Finns on the team and no other Swedes. Could be. Hopefully we have at least one less Finn after the trade deadline. Although I do like both players. Uh, Armia's disappearing act in the regular season has just gotten too much for me to bear. Yeah. Like Armia's just like, has like one good game, three or four bad games. One good game, three or four bad games. And, like, you know, if he scores one, he's probably going to score two. And he's, he's an incredibly talented player, but definitely frustrating player to watch for sure yeah. with, his, with how many off games he has. But maybe he's got long COVID. He's had COVID, whatever it is, 13 or 14 times now. So, I, I, In a way, I, I hate to say this. I, I kind of hope that's the reason. Not on a personal level, really. I don't wish that on anybody, but it, it sure would explain it. No, I, I take that back. No, he, he's, to me, he's, he's still the inconsistent player I've seen since the beginning. You know, yes, he, he sparkles. Why, why Winnipeg was willing to throw in a player of that skill level. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think, I hope that there are a lot of general managers around the league that will look at him in the playoffs last season and go, Hey, he didn't have a great regular season last year either. I think, you know, he looked no. pretty good at third or fourth line in the playoffs. Yeah, well, he's got the size that a lot of general managers would want for the playoffs. You know, you know, other than the COVID, he, he's his body takes a lot of wear and tear, and he yeah. really is good at possessing the puck in the offensive zone. So that definitely yeah. can be valuable for a general manager, especially yeah. if you don't really need him to score, and he can kill penalties too. So, yeah, yeah. that's the thing when he's placed out of his, his position or out of where he's supposed to be in the, in the depth charts, then that's where he gets into trouble. Cause if you think back to the very first season uh, series against the Maple Leafs for the first three or maybe four games, they forced him up on like the, I think it was the first line and yeah. they just didn't gel. Like they, they didn't work at all. And when he moved him down to the fourth line with stall and uh, Corey Perry, that's when it seemed to, that's when he took off and they all took off and then they were untouchable. Like they were very valuable then. I think, and I hope that the new regime also will invest more heavily in sports, a sports psychologist than, than our, our previous group did. Uh, that's a good could really benefit from it. And I think Molson's um, pledge that they were going to improve uh, all the, the the programs and systems around player well-being is a good sign that that's going to actually happen. Okay. The other thing I think we forgot to mention as well as the appointing of uh, Chantel McAbee. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Like the new, uh, the new PR person for the Canadians and a long time RDS uh, personality. So um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure she'll have an impact on, uh, on the team as well in some, in some fashion for sure. Well, I think it's a, a good change given how wretchedly at the PR department, and we commented on this in depth uh, around <laughs> Logan Mayu and other situations where the Canadians just didn't seem to have the, the nounce that they had before. They didn't have the, the professionalism in their dealings that they should have had. Um, so I think that's good. And I think it's 
I think it says something that that's, I think, the only move the Canadians have ever made since I've been a fan that I didn't hear any criticism of from any corner. Yeah. Yeah, she's very well respected and she's been in the in the journalism game for quite a long time. So that was yeah, like very, 40 very years positive. or something. She's older than I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a positive thing. I so like the I'm oh, sorry, but I, I like the fact they put out a release during the Arizona game saying no, there's not gonna be any announcement during the game. You know, when the process oh. is done, we'll make an announcement. Like proactively addressing the rumors rather than just letting them fester on Twitter and social media. Ah, okay. That is a good sign. Yeah, because I did see that that like there was some rumors leaking out saying they were going to announce the general manager like during one of the intermissions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. of okay. the Arizona game of the and of the of the battle for tank battle. Yeah. yeah, but that that's the kind of thing I was talking about during the Mayu thing, where the PR people are proactive, right? They don't yep. wait mm. immediately. There's a well crafted response. No, it's not happening now. Yeah, and, yeah you know, having the having the the first press conference on the ice, I thought was a stroke of genius. Mm. So that's a good sign. I'm definitely hopeful that that will work out well. There was talk too that they were going to, or other people in the media were hoping that because of her experience on their side of it, that they might be able to say, get a little bit more access to players. And maybe they can get creative that way. If um, Well, she's, she said that, the, that she's been quoted in public saying that's one of the main things she wants to change. Okay. More access to the players yeah yeah and to the public yeah because when they have some off time and they i mean they do some things that they internally and they've been published on their uh their website and and their app where you know like they get a couple players together and they talk about something non-hockey related most of those don't interest me at all you know i I think i'd rather hear or see an interview a one-on-one interview with from somebody in the media and another hockey player uh, to go in, in in that scenario rather than those other ones, which I find are just too light in substance. Yeah, I imagine I imagine that stuff is just more so for the kids to try to draw in a, a younger crowd with that stuff. And I'm just similar to my views on UP, you know, it's, uh, it's not for me, but it's not for me, but I understand the reason behind it for sure. Okay. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay, guys. Well, um, what did you think about that? That news article I sent you uh, regarding that ex NHL referee that we all hate. Tim Hill, uh, where he admitted uh, during an interview that he he hated the Habs as a kid. <laughs> well, no su- no surprise there. Shock. Tim Peel was always kind of a, <laughs> Tim Peel was always kind of a jerk, and he's been kind of having some weird things on Twitter as well. Like he got into he, like him saying PK Subban's not a dirty player. You know, he the Slewfoot thing is just something that's leaked into his game. He's become quite uh, active on Twitter. He seems like a real weirdo. Um, no surprise there. You know. I'd never really want to be a referee. I don't know a lot of people that would, but mm. it takes a special person to want to be a referee and all the prop like power to them and props to the people that want to do that job. Cause I certainly wouldn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. But I wasn't sad to see him go. I thought I saw a funny tweet on that. Um, uh, Darren Drager uh, said he got a tweet from one of his buddies saying, are you reffing tonight? Are you reffing tonight? And Drager's like, why? What are you talking about? Well, if Tim Peel's breaking trades on Twitter, then maybe I thought you were going to take up refereeing. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that one too. That was pretty good. Yeah, did not see that, but I like it. Yeah, Yeah, the the news about oh the coke and yummy thing. Yeah, let's go there. I found that one kind of interesting. It first came out back in in the middle of uh, December. I think it was during the December sixteenth game where 
uh, fellow Grant McKay tweeted out that apparently uh, Montreal's leading scorer at the time, so that was Nick Suzuki, averaging a point every 32 and a half minutes, and Kakanyemi averaging a point every 30 minutes. Now, Grant's been a huge fan of Kakanyemi leading up to them drafting him, and then even more so after they did draft him. And for those that don't know, Grant McKegg used to be a scout for the Montreal Canadiens. He got let go during Mark uh, Bergevin's regime for some reason. But he's still a bit of a Habs fan. So anyway, it's kind of interesting. And I was looking at some of the numbers uh, just before this podcast tonight. And the numbers aren't that uh, that great for the, the Habs four centers from, from last, uh, last year uh, compared to where they are now with their current team's Quick, I'm not going to go over all the stats, but pretty much. Yeah, but pr- pretty much the Deneau and Kokaniemi are doing pretty darn good, and Dvorak mm-hmm. and Suzuki are not doing so well overall Basically, in terms yeah. of how many minutes they're playing. Yeah. But I think that's just more of a circumstance of guys on shitty teams put up shitty numbers. Guys on teams that are good, like the LA, are going to put up good numbers. And guys on teams that are great, like the Carolina Hurricanes are, you know, everyone's going to look pretty good on that team. Oh. Um, I don't think if we changed Coke Kaniemi and Dvorak this year, that the Canadians would be battling for a playoff spot, or if the Habs signed Dino and you know didn't give the money to survive, they'd be in a lot better of a place. I think they'd still stink. So, hmm. okay. It's well, just, go ahead. If you take any team in the league and you take away their number one goaltender for hmm. part the whole season, and then you take away their number two goaltender for a significant portion of the season. And you take away their top two defensemen for the entire season. Hmm. Wonder where they're going to end up. Yeah. Probably in the basement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even if you if you took the, the top two goaltenders and the top two defenders uh, from Tampa and sprinkled in, you know, injuries to half their forward core, I don't think they'd be near the top of the league. No, but no team has that kind of depth. I mean, mm. granted, I was hoping the Canadians would tread water a little bit better than they did, but you know. Say Levy. Mm-hmm. Would you really want that though? Like, do you, would, would you want them to finish in ninth or tenth or eleventh? No, no, I wouldn't. No, well, not so, with uh, avoid, Mark avoid, Bergevin running it. <laughs> no, but even even so, the the pick that got Dvorak, which I actually applauded the move at the time, and still I'm ambivalent about it. I'm not thinking. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure it's going to be negative in the long term. But the Dvorak, the only thing I said about the pick at the time, and posted this online is thank god it's top 10 protected yeah. yeah well for sure and montreal will be picking in the top 10 that's a guarantee so yeah so so one pick in the very late first round of dvorak i wouldn't have yeah it's, a, it's gonna be end up it's gonna be end up being like the 26th or later carolina is probably gonna be you know in mm-hmm. the final four at this point i yeah. think well, that they're even though it'll you don't think so? pick, I hope they choke soon. No, I hope they choke. I hate them. Uh, <laughs> I hate them. I, I, I think I, I hate I, them. I think, I hate the Leafs. Yeah, I think Carolina is going to steamroll who, whoever they end up playing in the wild card seed. I think they'll finish first, or maybe they won't. Maybe the Rangers or Capitals will catch them. But I think the Canes are built to built to do some real damage, and um, I think they'll probably come out of the Metropolitan Division. Uh, for the conference finals. I've hated them since Saku Koyva got high sticked in the face. <laughs> yeah, by, by Justin Williams, too. Yeah. I, I, I know I know. well. I was in the building that night. So There's very few grudges I have the energy to hold for that long, that long a period of time. <laughs> I always say that I always say that uh, 
you know, there's one team that I love, the Montreal Canadiens, and there's pretty much 30 or now 31 teams that I hate. But uh, different levels of hate. Like, for example, usually my second favorite team is whoever's playing the Leafs or whoever's playing the Bruins is usually my second favorite team. Mm, yep, especially the Bruins. I agree there. Yes, I'm, 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 on, I'm with you on both of those. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm okay with the, the Hurricanes as long as they don't make any noise and they don't have any success. But, you know, once they start talking smack on Twitter and winning playoff series, uh, it rekindles old, old grudges. <laughs> Fair enough. Did you, guys, did you guys see the Leafs game tonight at all? No. No. I, I, they got, I'm just – sorry, go ahead. They got up 3-1 at the end of the first, and they lost 6-3. They were <laughs> tied 3-3. Oh. They were tied 3 they were tied 3-3 with nine minutes left, but then the Rangers scored three goals in six minutes. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. That that segues into what I was going to say, which is I, I'm, I'm laughing at all these Leafs fans, um, you know, trolling the Canadians and all the message boards, and I'm just waiting mm. for, the, you know, the first, or, the first round collapse to occur. My, my son's 18. He's in first year of university, and the, the Leafs haven't won a playoff series since he was born. I hope they never win one in this life, and I hope he lives to be 100 years old. <laughs> That's what I, I want to celebrate my centenary and the, and the Leafs' 100-year anniversary of the, of the drought. Also, the in ta- also in tank news, the Coyotes beat the Devils tonight 4-1. to one. <laughs> hmm. Okay, so Habs are still solid in last place then. Yeah, a big 4-1 win by the Yotes. Go, Yotes, go! <laughs> Pitiful franchise. Did you see uh, the, the amount of people in the stands for that? And who could yeah, blame? Well, you, but yeah, but you didn't know it was dressed up like an empty seat night, so it was actually busier <laughs> than you thought. <laughs> Camouflage, yeah, yeah. But you know what? Hey, I think they're they, they're going to draw they're going to draw more fans than most of the buildings in Canada these days. Oh, through that, yeah, especially for the next few months. <laughs> you know, I hate to tell you this. Uh, well, I'm sure you've been thinking it too, Jonathan, but. I, I can't see thing, the, them, uh, the Quebec government allowing people into the building for this month, next month, and who knows, March, maybe. Hey, you know it's what? If it while. gets me a refund, if it gets me a refund on my tickets at this point, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I won't be that upset. Oh, to be okay. honest, yeah, you know, that's... last year I was pissed, but this year, I banned people from the building still October, ah. and banned Carey Price from the province too. Don't even. Think about letting him get back in the net and win, winning a whole bunch of games. I'd be shipping his ass back to BC so quick and make his head spin. Yeah. Well, after that last bit of news about him, rehab is back to zero. So. Right. Right. That's what I was just going to say. So it's if that was because of just because of the layoff and he wasn't under he was under orders not to rehab and it regressed or did he re-injure himself or is it? Not- I just hope he's intelligent hmm. enough to know that it'd be stupid for him to come back this year. Like, imagine if he comes back in late February, early March, and then gets an injury and is out for six to eight months. What a waste. Just take it easy, Carrie. Relax. You put a lot of wear and tear on your body over the last 10 or 12 years. Take it easy. Just take it easy. <laughs> we'll see you in October. <laughs> September. Training camp. September. <laughs> yeah. Nah, October's fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Training camp for sure. But I, I yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Like, yeah. I can see, uh, you know, Gorton's and, and Hughes's plan shifting on whether or not uh, Price, you know, wants out or not. Right? Yeah. You have yeah. Like, he's younger than he's younger than uh, 
Canning Henry was in New York when, when Gordon started the rebuild. So, I mean, there's a chance he could still be around there. I mean, and the thing is, most of the Canadians players are still, with the exception of maybe what Petrie and a couple other guys are like in their mid twenties. You don't really want to be, sh- and what Toffoli's 29. Do you really want to be shipping out 29 year olds? I mean, yeah. if you go down it's a the- young man's game though, man, it's a young man's game. Most yeah, of the best players in the league are like under 25 years old. Yeah, but look at look at the the Coyotes. They're Jacob Jacob Chickering's like 26, and they're looking to to trade him off to lengthen the rebuild. Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> I was really surprised when I was reading about that too. Like, why why would you move somebody off that young, still affordable, and all? But but they're in full tank mode. So, but, but who knows what ownership and coaching staffs are going to do look at look at buffalo eichel's back on the ice after his surgery and they think he'll be back in the month like full contact or less, or less. he's already he's already skating with the team skating mm-hmm. yeah uh, i heard it could go two months but even then that's still reasonable so yeah It'll be pretty good come playoff time yeah yeah okay so there was one other habs topic i want to bring up before we go around the nhl a little bit uh, which was uh, talking about defenseman Logan Mayu, since I noticed he had been reinstated back in the NHL. And he was off to a hot start, scoring three goals and two assists in his first three games. Things are fairly quiet on that front. I noticed Montreal really hasn't been saying anything about that. <laughs> um, yeah, probably won't, too. I don't think they're going to do a lot of promoting about about uh, prospects like uh, like Logan because of everything else that happened. But at least it's a promising thing that as a hockey player, he's back, he's playing, he's playing well. So I just, I just. Yeah. And I, I, I just hope he um, has given that young lady and her family what they wanted in the apology. I hope that, you know, that he's finally taken that step. I know we have no idea because you know, I'm sure all that stuff is under uh, some type of non-disclosure agreement, but I hope he's given that uh, girl what she wanted in her family in terms of, you know, the actual uh, a genuine apology. So that way that, you know, everyone can, can move on, not move on and forget, but move on and improve and, uh, and, and make changes for the future, you know, both for, for Logan and for her. So. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. That's fair. The thing is, I just, I'm just tired of the, media. some, some people in the media, you know, uh, referring to him in the same breath as, you know, rapists and people who've committed grievous sexual assault and non-consensual acts. Yes, he did wrong. Yes, he deserved punishment. Those things happened. He admitted the wrong. He got fined. Um, you know, it was consensual. It's a different thing, even though... There yeah, there's no room for nuance, Paul. You know that. There's no room for nuance in these situations. It's just burn everyone at the stake. But you know, we're all different levels of scum, but there are definitely different levels of scum. Well, looking at like the, just a couple of weeks ago, there was an ex-Canadian football league player named Jerome Messam. He was just, uh, he was found guilty, but not yet sentenced. So I don't know what his punishment be, is going to be, but he's an adult man. He should have known better. He took pictures of a woman during a consensual encounter and he was found guilty of voyeurism and is going to be sentenced to something. I don't know what, but um, you know, because he's not famous anymore, that's the end of it. And he's not connected with a famous team. So nobody feels compelled to drag his name through the mud any more than's already happened and trash his reputation. Whereas this kid who legally should have been protected under Canadian law because as a minor, uh, crimes are not supposed to be reported. And he agreed to be identified. 
because he was taking But I thought that it was only reported because the uh, crime happened in Europe. Still, this Canadian Canadian news agencies are still bound by by that law, where they're not allowed okay. to. Oh. Name of okay, he I didn't know that. Gave no. consent for that to happen. Okay. In my mind, was a mistake, but um, he wanted to get out in front of the rumors, and he did say he wanted to take responsibility for what happened. And it'll be very interesting to see how uh, how the media deals with him if he does attend. I, I imagine he will attend training camp next year. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how um, how he how he handles the media. Yeah, well, I think I think Maccabee will have him well trained. Oh, and well, sure. well prepared. Uh, because there's going to be some unpleasant questions. No, no doubt there's going to be questions, and they should. They, they. I'm sure she knows how to manage that. Yeah, good point. We'll see. Okay. So around the hockey world, uh, wanted to start off with that amazing goal that uh, Trevor Zegras Zegras scored back in November. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what they call the now what they call a, a Michigan assist. Uh, yeah, we, it was we, incredible. We we call them um, or that that type of lacrosse style goal. I guess the Canadian version is called the, the lacrosse goal, and uh, in the U.S. they call it the Michigan goal or something. But um, anyway, I thought it yeah, was yeah, because Mike Mike Lag was the first person to do it in Michigan. Hmm. Yeah, but I don't think he was actually the first. I think somebody did it before, but he made it famous. Okay. Okay. But yeah, what a what a goal! Trevor Zegers has, has some of the best hands ever, and. You know, that that goal, I think, got so got more views than any NHL video posted to YouTube ever, I think, in a span <laughs> of a week. So, yeah. you know, best marketing campaign they could have ever done is is that. And I hope they somehow find a way to get Trevor to the All-Star game to, for, for him to put on some type of show doing wild things with his stick magic. So, hmm. ups to that kid for sure. Find a way to get a player like that there is just ridiculous. It's just, like, I, I don't understand. The, the NHL spends millions paying firms to promote them and then they can't get something that simple right yeah didn't they used to have like a young guns thing for a while they did yeah. for a bit yeah uh, yeah that's where that could have been useful no, again it, in fact i haven't watched an all-star game for years because like no boring as yeah well. but again all-star games not for us the all-star games for kids and for sponsors of yeah. the league yeah it's not it's not for the hockey diehards because the hockey sucks yes yeah, exactly. I, I don't think the NHL ever tries to brand it like that, saying like, watch the best on best, the greatest game <laughs> you'll ever see. No, it's watch some dog shit game where nobody <laughs> back checks. It's all three on O's and everyone passes too much and won't shoot on open nets. Right. <laughs> but it's cool to watch all the guys out there. If you're like a little kid, I remember when I was a little kid, I loved the All-Star game. It was incredible. You, know, yeah. you get to watch all the biggest stars in the league on one ice surface. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Yeah. Um, okay. And uh, since we've been giving love to Alex Ovechkin over the last uh, couple of podcasts oh. too, I see he's, he's broken another record. Uh, this one, the NHL power play goal record, which Dave Anderchuk used to hold at 274 goals. He got the 275th back on the uh, last day of December. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's inching closer and closer pretty much every game uh, to Gretzky's all-time goals record. And, you know how much I love that guy, so I really hope he breaks it. But yeah, Ovechkin's the best. Yeah, I love him. Despite the fact that he used to play for the Leafs, I still feel bad for Anderson. You feel oh, bad for him for losing the, yeah. the record? For losing the record, he, oh. he earned it oh. the hard way. He wasn't any pretty nice 
power pace snipes for Andrew It was all graft and tips in front of the net while he's getting. Oh yeah. And whacking yeah. away at rebounds, getting the shit beaten out of himself for sure. Yeah. But, uh, he made a career on that. Right. So good, good props to him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good point. <laughs> Um, so I guess that's all I had. Do you guys have anything uh, more to uh, to add? Well, how can um, you the great save by Montembeau last night when one of the oh. reviews actually went in favor of the Canadians? Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, one of the saves because although we can't see the puck cross the line, the puck definitely crossed the line. <laughs> like physics would tell you that the puck 100% crossed the line. They just couldn't see it cross the line, but... Yeah, that one worked out for the Canadians. All yeah. I can say, Jonathan, is the video review giveth and the video review taketh away. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Served because the Canadians need to, need to win some games before the losing does actually damage some of our valuable prospects who are learning. Yeah, yeah, because I, I wasn't aware of this until recently, but I, I remember somebody saying that uh, – they have not, the Habs have not won two games in a row all season. And I no, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah. John said they hopes they don't win 12. Well, they have to win two first. And <laughs> no, I said, I hope they don't, I hope they don't win 14 because if they 14. win 13, they'll tie the number of games they won in the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. And no, that'll but, probably be a record that never gets touched. No, but you mentioned something about Price coming back and winning like 12 games in a row. Which oh, means, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yes. He's, he's not coming back. And they're not but with the Canadians not winning two games in a row, if you, uh, if anybody wants to take out a second mortgage on their house and bet it on the Vegas Knights tomorrow, that's probably a wise decision. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And then for the first time all season, they'll win. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, as they say in the radio biz, the, the uh, clock on the wall saying that we're almost out of time. So uh, I think that's a good point to, to wrap it up. Go Habs, go. Good luck to Mr. Hughes, and hopefully he makes uh, 20 selections at the draft in Montreal this summer. Hey, they win the lottery. Yes, definitely. Start with that one, and we'll go from there. <laughs> we want Shane, we, we want, we want uh, Shane Wright to move from Kingston to Montreal, please. That would be nice. <laughs> Get him. As always, fun talking with you guys. Have a good evening. Good night, fellas. Good